Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here this morning. Welcome to the you visitors. Glad to see some visitors. I guess you call yourself visitors. I'm not sure if you're regular or not, but some of you aren't because they're from afar. Glad you can be here this morning. Well, I'm also glad that we can meet here in Jesus' name where he said, I'm going to build my church. Aren't you glad that you're in a church that's Jesus' building? In other words, I don't mean this number numerically-wise. I think it's spiritually. So it's a privilege that we can be those that say, uh, I'm, I'm, I want to grow spiritually. You know, I want to be part of that building process. What, what a tremendous blessing, he said. Then he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I wonder how he looks about the last year or two in our, the Atlanta Baptist churches. I think the gates of hell is trying to prevail, okay? Uh, so this morning's message, I want to let you know I need this. And so, you know, you kind of, oh, Lord, well, you know, if you're going to be built, you know, every now and then the Lord just pricks you, okay? And so I'll tell you some things he pricked me about, and maybe you'll get pricked mood too. Hopefully it's just encouraging for you to do what you've been doing, because God cares about his church, his bride, and uh, he really wants it to grow spiritually. That's what he really cares about. Me, uh, me and us together growing spiritually that we can radiate of his presence and his love and his mercy and kindness. So he gave us many, many uh, things to think about. I'm not going to bring up near everything that, that uh, helps a brotherhood grow. The title of the message is Building Brotherhood. You know, Scripture says very plainly that we don't love God more than we love our brotherhood. Hmm. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? And so we say, you know, I want to love him more. You know, we sing good songs about God, and I think, well, is that my heart's feeling about brotherhood? Well, it's one thing to say. It's another thing to let it enter in here to every thought and, and attitude that comes in here by Satan that he likes to uh, tempt us to do, to think things we shouldn't think. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 4, starting text. Ephesians 4. Beautiful passage here. One that talks about the, the unity of the brotherhood that God wants, Jesus expects. Ephesians 4 says, And therefore the prisoner, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with all longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, even as you are, also you are called into one hope of your calling. And it goes on to say one, a lot more once. Well, we praise God that Jesus, the only Savior and the only Shepherd, called us. And he's the same God and Jesus that we all serve. And it's a blessing we can know him as our Savior and the Lord of our life. And he said there, then Paul says, so that brings unity of the Spirit per se per se, because it trickles out so many ways. So Paul said, how do we get this? You were here to serve God together. Not where I just do my way and you do your way, because that never brings good brotherhood. We can't say we have the unity of the Spirit when we think and practice radically different. That don't work. He said, okay, there's some things that help us work out, okay? And, uh, and, and they're very important uh, to us. He said here, I, the prisoner of the Lord, I had to really wonder when I ponder this. 
would Jesus say that I'm following him so closely that everything, he, I dictate everything you're doing, Claire. I'm, you're my prisoner. You're following me cheerfully. Would he say that? That's pretty challenging. I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you some things that challenge me. You know, I am following him, so I'm just voluntarily, I'm his slave, and I love it that way. I just love being a slave of Jesus. You know, I tell you, if that brings a lot of unity together. Well, he, then he goes and tells us in the following verses how this trickles down. Now, also, he says that we need to walk worthy. So we're worthy, and that become and fitting of our calling. So Jesus, the loving, holy Savior, I am continually, I'm committed to walking every day like Jesus. It brings unity. There's a lot, a lot of togetherness there. But I have noticed that people can say that and live radically different than what the Bible says. I've noticed that. You know what? It's happened in my own life. You know what I mean? When the devil tempts, well, he says, okay, for this to be for us to build brotherhood, and God really cares about these things. He said, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Lowliness and meekness. Has that been our claim of fame in the last while? I am lowly and meek. You know, like the lowly Jesus, I'm lowly and meek. Forbearing, forbearance. I don't hear that pushed much anymore. Maybe it has to do with because it's hard to be humble. Uh, Jesus was humble. His followers are humble by nature. See, we're supposed to do and be the prisoner of Jesus, you know? So we're humble by nature. I can tell you that's not mankind's nature. I can tell you that. But Jesus' followers are humble by nature. And so he says forbearing. And I, I, this forbearance thing, I, you know, if, if, if I had to give a definition, it would be tolerating a person because of their oddities for the sake of Christ. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So I looked it up. The definition, this must have been a weird thing. It's Wikipedia or whatever it's called. And he said, you know what it said? Holding back. Holding back what? Well, holding back maybe the privilege of judging. Holding back bad attitudes. Could that be? Because we don't want to hold back love. We don't want to hold back humility. Holding back. Hmm. Now... How is my forbearance ranked? How would I rank that? You know, if Jesus ranked my forbearance in the last while. You know, is, uh, is this working out well, you know? Lowliness, humility, meekness. I have noticed when you talk about things with two varied opinions, and there's been plenty of those in the last while, that always, it's always lowly if you give in to what I think. Have you noticed that? Have you ever thought about if we're going to be, if we're going to be lowly, what about I giving in if I'm going to be lowly to what the other person thinks? 
you know, since we're always right ourselves, I mean, God help us, we're always right. And I would say, God help us, because we're not right, always right. We need to remember that. See, I'm talking about some things that build brotherhood, okay? How am I going to be forbearing one another? What a wonderful church body this would be if we all walked in lowliness and humility. Forbearance. Then forbearance would be the principle of our life. Forbearance would be. wouldn't be so hard. You know? Well, let me tell you, for some of us, this is a work in, work in progress, okay? Hope you've got there. If you've gotten there, let's have a discussion around the t- noon meal, how it's working, because that would be so helpful. It would be a very edifying conversation. Because, see, if we're, if we're going to grow and we're going to be what God wants us to be, we've got to be forbearing one another in love. Oh, there's another type of forbearing? I think so. Holding back another way, yeah. But it says you, you prepare one another in love. Then, and unless we have that as a premise of our man, heart's mentality, to be lowly, be living like Jesus, to be humble, to be long-suffering and forbearing, there will not be unity in the church, okay? It says it very plainly. See, this is the criteria to get to verse 3 and 4. But, you know, we, we want that unity, right? In God's church, there will, in God's church, in Jesus' church, there will be a respectful level of unity. Because if you always give in, guess what? There'll be a lot of working together. But it's not you. See, it's me. We got to take this personal. That's why I say we get a lot of times in reverse. We say, oh, if you'd give in, we'd be walking together. What about we giving in? We'd be walking together, see? Well... Jesus talks about working together in gifts and working together as a family in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And it's a blessing to think how we can work together. It's a tremendous witness, I think one of the best clear witnesses, that, that we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus when we work together as a brotherhood, even though we don't always have the same opinion, okay? You get that? Isn't that beautiful? Because you, know, you, you get around people and you say, I tell you what, they think this and they think this. And you know what? They haven't talked to each other for five years. And when they do it, short and not sweet. Okay, I was going to say, but it's short and not sweet. You know why? They're not getting along. That's why. See, in God's family, that's it, that we're just total opposite. Even though there might be varied opinions on certain things, this family loves each other. Because they view themselves like Jesus wants to view us. They're trying to live that way. What a blessing. What a blessing when it works that way. Now, one who says in Hebrews 3, 13, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, we're supposed to be encouraging each other, stay on the way with Jesus, okay? And not just that phraseology. There's a lot of trickle-downs to that. You know, let's don't let Satan give bad attitudes. I don't want that. We don't want that. So we, we care about each other. We walk with each other. We care about each other because, let me tell you, friends, this is life and death matter. That's why. This, we walk with Jesus or we're not walking with him, okay? And we want to walk with him. 
And so we take it seriously and say, how are you doing spiritually? When people ask you, they care about that. We pray for each other. Uh, and we care most of all about spiritual things. Yeah, we might have a common ground that's getting dry out there. We know that. But that isn't the talk, the main talk of a brotherhood that loves the Lord and is exhorting one another daily. And so it's, 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 it's our privilege to care about each other. We must stay biblical in how we approach things. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take it with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word should be, may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear thee, tell him to the church. But if he neglected to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen and a publican, heathen man and a publican. So here it says, look, if you have concerns, go exhort the brother or sister. That's what it says very plainly. And I think, tell you, when we do it that way, God blesses that because it's a biblical approach, okay? It's a bit, you know, so many times it's in the heart of man to, to, to spread or to ask and to find out, do you know this? Did you see that? And, and whatever. And God says, look, if you have a concern, you have a right to have concern, okay? It says, you know, if, if somebody is slipping, if they're making a trespass, a, uh, a slip up in their walk with God, you know, how are we going to exhort one another daily if we don't see anything, you know? So let's don't be blinded. And yet let's, and, and let's also don't be overcritical and judgmental too, okay? I'll just balance this out a little bit. I wonder how that would look. I wonder how that would work. This is exhorting brotherhood. This is exhorting other in the spirit of Galatians 6, 1 and 2. They're also in Ephesians 4. They're the lowliness of mind. I think uh, Paul said, I had a beautiful verse. And you know, <clears throat> Paul wasn't some idealistic weirdo, okay? I think he was very realistic. Now, I think these, some things he says here is very idealistic in, in a way. But I'm glad that God helps us obtain to biblical idealism. You follow that? I think that's true. In other words, we don't, go, you, we don't get anywhere and we don't make goals. You have a good marriage without a goal for a good marriage. You know, we have a good marriage without giving in a whole bunch. You know what I mean? And if you tell them you always give in, you, you know what? You won't have a good marriage market down, right? Yeah. So uh, you got to have high goals. And, and really spiritually, I think they're attainable, even though since we are mere humans, uh, it makes it really challenging. But 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 10 is a beautiful, I just love this one. It talks about how the church works together. Could this be said of me? Could this be said of we? Okay, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. This is in the mistranslation. And that there be no divisions among you, and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. What a beautiful verse. Would your spirit and mind 
be of such that God could look down at Bethany and say, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. See, I really believe this has a lot to do with council meeting. I really think uh, this really helps us work along together. Now, it's a challenge to live that way. It's such a blessedness to live that way. Because you know what? We're serving the same Lord, and we want to get to the same place. And really, we can't have too many uh, strongly opinionated persons. I heard there on Friday night at graduation that, well, bless their heart, I don't know which girl that was. But one of those girls, somebody has an opinion about everything. Sometimes I think that's the way the Lord blesses some of the rest of us. But I must say it myself. And, but uh, I think having strong convictions is good. When it comes to opinions, you've got to be very careful about that because uh, strong opinions can be very divisive. Do you ever know that? Well, that's true because I've seen other people's strong opinions, and very, they can be very divisive, and I have to wonder, well, I don't want to be a pushover, right? Have you ever worked through that one? Or just have convictions on Bible principles. That's what really counts. <clears throat> so how is it with me when people talk to me and I, and I appreciate when they do. Could it be said like it does in James 3, verse 17? But the wisdom that is from above is contrasted from the carnal, earthly man's doings. Is first pure, then peaceable. So I responded in a peaceable way, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And so... It challenges us that when there's a discussion on divisive issues, am I easily to be entreated? Well, I pray to God that uh, that's the way God sees us. If that's going to work out that way, there's some verses in Ephesians 5.21 that speaks to that. You know, if we're going to have the mind of Jesus and we're going to be building church relationships and building love in the church, it says there, Ephesians 5, 21, submitting yourselves to one another. Why? In the fear of God. Now, if you put that together, you'd say, if I'm obstinate, or I'm bullheaded, or I'm just whatever, you know, those words we blame the other person to be, okay? If I'm that way, I don't fear God. See, fearing God is a beginning of wisdom. I think fearing God is what makes good brotherhood. <laughs> you, you think that way? Submitting yourselves to one another. Now, of course, submitting yourselves in a biblical way. I know some people have submitted. If you submit yourselves always to the carnal thinking of man, well, that course is well marked, okay? I want to tell you that that course is well marked. We have to try that again. We're submitting yourself on biblical principles one to another. I think it's very important. Submission. How good am I at that? Well, it didn't stop there. First Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Sometimes it's handy to be the elder, you know that? Not really. I assure you. Yea, all of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It says it plainly. We're working together. To radiate of Jesus' lowliness and humility in this brotherhood. That's what really counts. And if we all do that together, God's love grows. And his 
presence and blessing works among us. And that's what God wants and expects. And it takes a lot of humility. And it takes a lot of forbearance. And it takes a lot of uh, uh, being willing to get along. Why? Because the opposite of this is pride and sin. Okay? It's not because, well, I just love to be humble. Well, if I, we could get that divine nature of Jesus, we could love it. You know what I mean? But since we're always right in ourselves, we think. He says, no. He says, look, God resists the proud. He said the opposite of not submitting one to another is a proud person, and God hates that sin. It ruins brotherhoods. It ruins brotherhood uh, uh, fellowship. So submission is not just getting along with those that think like you. Submission is giving in to the will of another or complying and understanding theirs when I don't like it or don't understand it. Now, the last is critically important, okay? Because I can get around people that, that think like me and, oh, I tell you, we're just hand in glove. But what about those people that don't think like us? Giving in to them is what submission is. That's the real challenge. Giving in to the mind of Christ maybe is a real challenge to begin with. See, because if we can work along with each other, it makes for a beautiful church. So, you know, when we operate this way, it takes the argumentativeness out of us. We can discuss things, but we don't need to argue. And, and, and I'm not saying you were, it's just some temptations we have. You know, we get dug in. <laughs> Sometimes it changes from a discussion to an, uh, something else. But, you know, we want to grow to be like Jesus. And we, and we really don't ever want to be sweetly disobedient. It's still disobedience. You know, we, we want to work along with Jesus and his church. And uh, what a blessing. When you read the Bible, if you read it closely, you don't have to read it too closely, you realize that God never makes a divisive saint. God never makes a divisive saint. And now, now, that doesn't mean a saint doesn't have a different opinion that we need, but not divisive. In other words, sowing discord is out for the Christian. In other words, that's operating in a way that is out of tune with the brotherhood. I am so glad that we have a brotherhood that loves the Lord, and we have a, a conference and a church that loves the Lord, wants to obey the Bible, and so we have standards we have agreed to. And that's why we ask the fifth question. You know, do you support the standards of our conference? You know why? Because if, if we're going to build brotherhood, we need to support them. Submission is giving in when you don't understand. I hear some people say, well, I don't understand everything. God never said you will. God never said you need to. You know what he said? You, we, I need to submit. That's what he's saying, because older, wise people, I didn't make those standards, but they're good. And just because I don't understand them, don't make them bad, okay? Because there's, there's some in there that I had to work through the hard way, okay? When I come to the foot of the cross, I could work through them pretty okay, but it was a real journey, a real journey. I'm glad we have those. Luke 17, 1 to 3, I'd like to read a few verses there. Another aspect that really helps in building brotherhood. 
Where it says, then said he unto his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It would be better for him that a millstone be hanged about his neck and he be cast into the sea than, uh, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, that is, that is really challenging. So he said, you know, well, what did he say offended me? The way they treat me, that way offended me. Well, Jesus said plainly, your offenses will come. Now, I think sometimes we get a little offensive uh, uh, easily to be offended, actually. But he said, but that's the way. He said, but, you know, that's their problem. You know, that's going to happen. But he did say, woe unto them through who they come. It was better for a millstone to be hung about their neck. And there was just, they just took a, died. But you know, in studying this, I did come across something that I found interesting. A millstone hanging around the neck was kind of a common, a common phrase back then, like, uh, I'm not trying to be trite here, but have you ever said, just go fly a kite? You know what I mean? It means just whatever, you know, you're off your rocker or whatever. It was just a kind of a common phrase they said when something was negative, okay? I don't know what you use. It's kind of, you know, just what's better for you, just, we don't say this, just go in, in the pond and drown them. That's a little strong, you know, we wouldn't say that. But that's what they're saying here. That was kind of a common phrase back there. They said, well, I found that kind of interesting. The point was still made. A Christian does not want to be offensive to their brothers. We don't want to act and conduct and speak as if we're offensive. We don't want to be that way. And we're talking about building brotherhood, okay? We're talking harmoniously here. And then he said, he goes on to say there, if they offended you, how about going to Matthew 18, the spirit of love and going meekness and talking to them, speaking to them. It says, in fact, if you need to, Rebuke them. That hasn't been done much. Maybe you've been rebuked. I, I can't remember the last time I was. Not that I didn't need it. I think sometimes we don't get to the right end because we don't use the right process. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, when somebody is being offensive and working out of tune with the Lord and the church, friends, they deserve a little more than a pat on the back. They deserve rebuke. That's what the scripture says, okay? Is this safe ground for you, us? I hope so. Because it's, it's to bring them to repentance. And it says there, if he repents, forgive him. Now one thing, there's a number of things here. <clears throat> one thing we gotta remember, forgiveness is an indispensable necessity of the saint. It's an indispensable necessity of the saint. You will not make it spiritually unless you have chronic forgiveness as a mentality. You ever think of that about that? You know, I've heard a lot of things that chronics. And I've heard of bad habits. How about getting a good habit of forgiving people that forgive? Yeah, we're, we're going to forbear, we're going to tolerate. We're going to forbear, we're going to be easy to be entreated, and now we're going to forgive. No, 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 if none of the else above works, just forgive, he's saying, okay? And he never, ever implies here, if they don't repent, you, can't, you shouldn't forgive. Because it's, it's actually, uh, 
It states very clearly in Matthew, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. It didn't say anything about them, what they're saying, what they need to do. You know, oh, it is so wonderful when people truly ask for forgiveness. How hard is it really to say, I'm sorry, forgive me? How hard is that to do? You know what? It's real hard. Because the devil don't want you to do it. Can I just tell you? How many times have you said that to somebody in the last month? Now, I'm not putting you on the hot seat. It's just between you and God. You know why we don't do it? Not because we didn't make any mistakes. Not because we maybe didn't say something that offended our brother. It's because it's hard to do. Humble people can ask for forgiveness. They're willing, they're, they're willing to do that. Another uh, thought comes in here. Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15. Follow peace with all men. And we're building brotherhood here. And holiness, okay? You, you won't have peace without holiness, okay? And holiness is based on Jesus' holiness and on his word, without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay, put it right down. If you we don't live a holy life before God and men and have peace with men, guess what? We're on the right track. Back to that millstone. Don't jump in the lake, is what he's saying. Be very careful. You're going the wrong way. You're going to die spiritually. But he said, look, looking diligently. This is a big effort, okay? This isn't something just happens by just floating along. Looking diligently, a lot of effort, lest any man, me, person, us, fail the grace of God. Now, I like that if it just stopped there. But then it goes on to say, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Jesus knew, God knew a long time ago, that when a person gets a bad attitude and they don't care about living in the grace of God, in other words, we have been bestowed grace from Jesus. There's no question. Big time. The grace of Jesus. And if we're not willing to, to extend that grace to others, he said, you know what? You're going to become better. You didn't plan on it. You're going to get it because you let that seed in your heart. That bad attitude that grudge, that offense that you didn't go and talk to them about, as it says many times over, I'm just using a verse here and there because we don't have till 1230. That, that if you didn't take care of that biblically, he said, you know what? You're going to get a bad attitude and you're going to get bitterness. It's guaranteed because you opened your heart to Satan. That's what happens. When we do that, we've opened our heart to Satan and we're going to be defiled. It says it very plainly. But it's so easy to say when somebody says something that's unwise or unkind or unfair and it's offensive, you know, just, well, that's just them. That's just them. You know what I mean? That's just the way they operate. Or, well, you know, they've only done two or three. You know, and you kind of just like, you try to deal with it yourself. Now, I'm going to use modern phraseology. It's totally unbiblical, okay? I'll just tell you on the get. It's totally unbiblical. Just deal with it yourself, okay? Where'd you read that in the Bible? Well, if you want to deal with it, we do it God's way, okay? And then you say, you go talk out of love. Hey, if you can't, don't have enough nerve to do that, you can just forgive. That's a good biblical option, just forgive. That's a wonderful option. I wonder if 
God's people were chronic forgivers, how much better the church would have made it in the last year. Is that a profound? I don't think that's profound. I just think that's biblical. You know, I just wonder. Well, see, I, so I told you God spoke to me. You know, see, unforgiveness always mars relationships. Unforgiveness always mars relationships. You may think it's undercover, but you know, it's, it's sad to see what happens. You know, we don't want to be those that just deal with it ourselves. We want to let God deal with it. So small things, little attitudes not taken care of in a biblical manner always causes bitterness. And you know what? You think, well, if you'd had my past, man, I tell you, my leaders in the past, or my parents in the past, or my school, uh, my youth leaders, or man, in my, in, in my, in my youth group, I mean, I had that, man, I had one girl and that one guy, whatever, you know, she, I want you to fill in the blanks. You fill in the blanks. Uh, you know, and all of a sudden, man, all of a sudden, because it's gradual, it starts from a seed, there's a little bad attitude. You know, I just had the short end of the stick. You know, I just, I wasn't just in that cool group. Thank God if you wasn't. And then I won't give too much of my own opinion here. And next thing you know, you're holding a grudge. You're putting somebody out in distance. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. I think we've all had to deal with these things. If you were one of the few here that had a lovely life all the way through, stand up and tell us after church. You know, we had to deal with things. And, and the devil wants us to struggle with bad attitudes. The devil is pleased when you struggle with bad attitudes. He's pleased. Because you know why? He's got you start you down a journey that if you don't change, you're going to lose your spiritual life. Is that, is that important? Forgiveness is not one and done. Forgiveness is not one and done, okay? Meaning, I, you can forgive a person, and if you don't have to forgive them again tomorrow, or whenever Satan brings up that thought again, you, oh, yes, they did. Oh, it's just like, it's just like they always do. Or see, right there, another opportunity, right? And that'll happen. Oh, my, that just happened all the that just happens all the time. And whew, it, it, forgiveness needs to happen as often as you think about that person or that thing. And you think, as you think about, period. Okay? I, some people say, oh, it's, you know, if it's a big thing. Nah, the devil makes everything small so you accommodate it. He seems to make most things small so you accommodate it. And you won't take care of it. You know why? Because then he's getting in your heart. And that's what he wants. You know, the scripture talks that we're not ignorant of his devices. You know what that, you know, do you read that context of that verse? I should have looked it up. I just read that a week or two ago. You know what it was in the context of? Forgiveness. Look it up. Are we not ignorant of his devices? I think we need to be heads up on his devices. His devices are that he wants me, us, to have a grudge, a bad attitude, a bad feeling, and not forgive. That's one of his devices. And you know what? He's a tricker. He likes to trick us into that. You know, so we have a privilege to forgive. For unforgiveness all will always lead to bitterness. And remember that. Unforgiveness is being in bondage to your past. Because it's always in your past. <laughs> Guess what? Forgiveness 
frees you of your past and gives you a bright future. Forgiveness, un, that burden. I mean, it's like I tell you, like well, un, unforgiveness is just like a huge burden on you. You ever think about that? It is, because that's what the devil wants. And we don't want that. As saints, we need to be quick to forgive. And I want to tell you, friends, if you got that way yesterday, just keep it up. Because that is, uh, is a real blessed life. Because remember, and you must always remember this, Luke 23, 34. And Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We can't say they know not what they do. They might know what they're doing. In fact, they might be saying something for my good. But if it's offensive to me, I need to forgive them, okay? So I can take it with the mind of Christ. I can receive it into my life. But we can always say, Father, forgive them. Help me to forgive them. Because have you ever been treated like Jesus? And let me tell you one thing. The way these people talk nowadays is, oh, I've just been run over by the bus. Is nothing like Jesus endured for my sins and your sins. Nothing in the same bracket. Not even the same bracket. We don't have a clue. I, I just can't hardly fathom how the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was treated so inhumanely, so, so wretched for your sins and mine. And then they... I just can't fathom it. So he hangs there. He's thinking, man, that was this this group of people. They need Jesus. They need me so bad. Huh? He wasn't saying that. He's saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. He was saying the exact words that we need to be saying a lot too. Father, forgive them. I've got a heart of forgiveness. You know why? It builds brotherhood. You know, that, that helps us be what we need to be. No one can be faithful to God without much forgiveness. And that, what a blessing. We can, we can be that way. Ephesians 4, 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, feeling for them, having deep compassion, walking lowly with your brethren, forgiving one another, even as Christ, as Christ, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Building brotherhood. We can still do it. I'm going to build my church. And you know what? We all can be helpful in constructing and building God's kingdom. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, we thank you for another day of opportunity. An opportunity to serve you, to follow you. Another day to sense your spirit speaking to us and encouraging us to be more like you. Jesus, we thank you that you're our Savior. We thank you that you spent, sent the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you for your example. You're such a beautiful example of the Father and caring and compassion. Touch our hearts, Lord. We want to be those that build the church, your church, Lord.
And we know you give us all the grace that it takes to be a good builder. So bless this body here this morning as we commit to being all that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.